We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in. It is August 17th. 2023, 7.36 a.m. Time for an episode of Broncos for Breakfast. I am Nick Kendall and joined by, as always, Scott Kennedy. Scott, how you doing? Uh, always fun to get you hyped up a little bit this morning before the show, uh, talking a little bit of uh, college football and everything going on, talking some uh, Big Ten East. Uh, Penn State's getting a lot of love so far. I don't know, if, uh, listeners, I don't know if you follow uh, The Athletic, but Bruce Feldman's uh, Freak List is always one of the Probably the best pieces of written media. I think that comes out every year. That means that football is here. Like we are on the doorstep. And uh, Penn State had the most players listed on that freak list. So uh, Big East might be pretty fun this season with Ohio State. Uh, Michigan still my favorite uh, because they're going to just be able to run on everybody. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, it should be a pretty fun year out in my favorite conference, uh, the Big Ten. I was kind of curious what they were going to do with Nicholas Harbor. You know, speaking of freaks, he was... I think wasn't he number one on that list? You told me the South Carolina wide receiver. Yeah. Yep. Because he's you know it, he made national news when he was six four, two hundred and thirty pounds, running like a ten eight hundred meters or something that went mm-hmm. viral. I mean, it looked ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a little disappointed he's a wide receiver though. Honestly, yeah, it should be an edge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll see though. We'll, we'll see. I just you can make plenty of money as an edge. I used to be that way for. A ton of guys. You should have seen Juju Smith as, as a linebacker. Um, mm. The uh, that that was one of them. But shoot, he, he's making even if he had been a better linebacker, he'll make twice the money as a third wide receiver. You know, it, it's just hard to tell kids to go defense anymore. You know, yeah. I mean, it's just it's an, the, the offensive guys for the most part. There's just more opportunities to get paid. Yeah. Uh, absolutely a fun player on there one of my favorites i watched uh that i was excited about this upcoming season also listed seven overall is chris jenkins uh, does that name ring a bell fans out there chris jenkins was an unbelievable defensive lineman uh for the carolina panthers on that line with uh julius peppers as well for a number of years his son now is a defensive tackle at michigan keep an eye out for him uh looks like a potential first round pick this upcoming season but let's get into it you guys aren't here for us to talk too much college football <laughs> although it's always a lot of fun to uh talk college football i mean we, we might, might even do more of that on fridays now yeah well i a lot of fun with the draft stuff and uh we're already kind of getting an idea of how this broncos team is built so maybe at the end of the day today we can kind of talk a little bit looking forward where does this team make sense for some uh, future draft picks but first let's say hello to everybody in here 
Kevin Gray, Morning Nick, and Scott Big Mile High Salute to Broncos Country. Good to see you. Jeremy calling out our topic today just because I went through. I'm like, man, there's not that much juicy going on here right now. We'll talk some Cardinals, but this kind of pushes it forward to the 49ers as well. Saying morning, boys. Today's topic proves uh, sports really is reality TV for men. Yeah, it's uh, the only reality, reality TV, TV I watch, man. It's great, though. I mean, it's compelling. Uh, most of the time, not scripted. And uh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh you know it, it's good it, stuff. It, it really is i've never you know going back to survivors probably long gone for all i know I, i've never watched a, a second of that stuff i hated what was the what was the mtv show that kicked all of it off uh real world the real world i, uh, I like like saw promo i'm like why would i want to watch this mm-hmm. i haven't watched a second of any of that I, I watch sports that's what i do that is my reality tv jeremy you're 100 percent right yeah, that's that's a uh, that's a great one. Um, I uh, I do enjoy some of the reality TV shows, but mostly like the ones. What what was that? Like what? Um, the ones that are the outdoor survival ones that are competitions. I can't. The name is escaping me right now. There's like seven seasons on Hulu. Naked and, and Afraid? Not Naked and Afraid. Um, <laughs> I cannot think of what it's called right now. Um, but they drop off like you know. 10 contestants and they can get 10 items up in like the Arctic circle and they have to survive for a hundred days. And that's pretty, pretty wild. I consider um, the amazing race more of a game show. So I guess would our game shows reality TV? I don't know. Um, hmm. I don't watch the amazing race, but if I happen to be in the, my, my wife watched it. And if I happen to be in the room, what was when it was on, that would be one of the few that wouldn't make me get up and leave right away. That's about as good of an endorsement as I can give for the amazing race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the show that I was thinking of is called Alone. So uh, that's a founded on a long flight. Yep, Alone. Yep, it's there we go. Alone. <laughs> um, everybody knows it's that's I really enjoy Alone, but I'm you know kind of an outdoors kind of guy. And uh, the guys, the people who always win that show, they build good structures, they get big game early, and they catch fish. Once the uh, once the temperature drops below zero, if they're not getting fish, they are literally dying because they cannot put on any fat. So uh, those are the takeaways that I've gotten a lot of luck as well, but <laughs> we're getting off. We're definitely off the, uh, off the rails here, but alone's a lot of fun. If you have some time, uh, we got Kathy coming in. Kathy, I feel like it's been a second. Uh, hope yep, you're, doing, you're well. doing well. Yeah. I appreciate you, Kathy. I'm always coming in and supporting the show. Austin H. Hello people. Hope you're doing well. EJ. You good morning. People. What do you mean? You people. I think that show is 15 years old now. Uh, they just had their 15 year, uh, release anniversary. So, uh, Tropic Thunder. Yep. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. It's like I still use say you know sayings from like Caddyshack. It's like fifty years ago, man. Mm-hmm. It's like time for some new material. I mean, the classics are the classics for a reason. So uh, I I don't fault you for that. Caddyshack's great. Uh, Chase Wellner with the uh, the bacon and the eggs. Thank you so much, Chase. Uh, Brookland official music. Good to see you, Alberto. Morning, guys. Happy Thursday. Always good to do. Always good to see you. <laughs> yeah, they're talking about the blind side in here talking about making a sequel to the movie, but like make it like a horror one. Do you remember the SNL skit where it was a uh, Peyton Manning? They cut him in uh, to the blind side and they made it like a horror film. Okay. Well, that would be, I'd be interested I mean, in that. You know, you know what's going on. You know why Jeremy said something about that, right? Oh, with O'Hare and like all the stuff coming yeah, out. Michael like, Orr. And it's like, Oh, it was all BS and it was all set up by the family. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's, I, I didn't, I didn't watch the blind side. I was covering recruiting when Michael Orr was up in Memphis. So I'm like, I covered his recruitment. I, mm-hmm. it's like, so I didn't, I didn't actually even watch it. I'm like, I, I lived it. I didn't, yeah. I didn't, I didn't actually watch the show. And now it sounds like somebody's fairy tale. Yeah. It's uh 
definitely BS. Also, they depicted him as having a, almost a learning disability, you know, having trouble in school when actually he was like gift, in gifted classes and stuff like that. So it's anything for, uh, you know, the, the TV, I guess. Um, Brooke says, my wife watches Alone. Alone's fun. It's, it's uh, I mean, it's kind of messed up too, but it's fun. Uh, so yeah, Keith's in here, so I'm right there with you, Scott. Football is my reality television. Definitely the most compelling uh, modern day gladiators out there. Albert Knoppers, good morning, everyone. Good to see you, Albert. Uh, let's, the orange is saying, let's talk about the reality of the 2023 Buck uh, good Broncos. Good idea, yeah, OB. Good idea. Um, yeah, the uh, the horror one. That's You should check out the, I'll send it to you after the show, the SNL skit. But it was, Peyton Manning was hosting SNL. Peyton Manning's pretty damn funny. I yes. Mean, yeah, he's, the, he's pretty funny. His, his dry deadpan delivery is pretty good. He is, he knows what he's doing. The SNL, that SNL skit where he, or the SNL show when he was hosting, the skit where it was the Boys and Girls Club, and he was just pelting the little kids mm-hmm. with footballs. Mm-hmm. That was great. Um, and then also the one where it's like halftime in a basketball game and he's doing a dance, like getting amped uh, for the game. So that's a that's a classic one. You guys should, one of my favorites, much better than when LeBron or Tom Brady hosted, but that's uh, beside the point. So let's get into it here. Uh, we have the Broncos once again being discussed on uh, national broadcast this time on ESPN's Get Up. Um, maybe we should start to patronize Get Up a little bit more now that uh, what is a good morning football has become just a Kyle Brandt crapping on the Broncos any way he can stretch uh, kind of show. You know, talking about the best thing the Broncos Broncos preseason was the Garrett Wilson stuff. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, the week five game is going to be fun, but I'm already kind of tired of it. Um, I just want to talk about, you know, the 49ers game and the Raiders coming up, not the bleeping Jets. Uh, we'll talk about them in, you know, eight weeks or whatever the heck it is. But uh, we had get up football talking about the Broncos, and they kind of s- talked about a lot of things that we have discussed this entire offseason, Scott, with the Broncos. Are they going to be able to make a marriage work between Sean Payton and Russell Wilson? And what does that look like? So, Okay, so they talk also about uh, Sean Payton's uh, ability and what he looked like with uh, Drew Brees in the quick pass game and pretty much what Russell Wilson has been for a number of years with the deep ball and the off-script stuff. And pretty much every everything uh, that we've talked about on here and a lot of people have talked about is that what Sean Payton has done in recent history has not really been uh, fitting for what Russell Wilson has done historically uh, with the quick pass game and the on-time pass game. So... What does that marriage look like? Can it work? Uh, pretty much a lot of stuff we've been talking about on here. And from that first preseason game, I thought the play action concepts looked pretty good overall, but the quick pass game and the touch on the ball and everything was still off 
in my opinion, maybe we'll always be off with Russell Wilson, but I think those questions are going to be hard to answer. Uh, and unless Sean Payton completely changes on what he's done, you know, the last, you know, eight years with Drew Brees, uh, I don't think it's going to be as good as a lot of people hope it can be in Broncos country. Yeah, and I guess it's it's what are your expectations? And good morning, Gary. My expectations for Gary Palmer are always greatness, and he always delivers. He says, good morning, Nick and Scott. Go Broncos and buck them. And, and mm-hmm. Michael Ranquillo coming in with some stars also. He says, good morning, Nick and Scott. On Broncos for breakfast, go Broncos and buck them. That sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, appreciate y'all, both of you, always, always supporting the show. Uh, you were... Y- I always I tend to focus more on individuals than on schemes. It's it, it helps us be a good pair on this because you're you're watching the schemes and this is what Sean Payton has done. I tend to look and see at the success he's had with different styles of quarterbacks. Uh, when Jameis Winston comes in, Jameis Winston is a big arm downfield thrower who had a lot of success. Uh, you know, limited sample size, but a lot of success mm-hmm. when he pl- best football he really ever played for a stretch playing for Sean Payton. Teddy Bridgewater. Comes in accurate underneath, not much of an arm, um, but a good leader, a smart cerebral quarterback, gets a $30 million contract playing five games for Sean Payton. Taysom Hill, the, the Tebow-esque type of quarterback, comes in, gets a huge contract playing under Sean Payton. So I look at the success that he's had with different types of players and know that he's not married to a system. This isn't a Mike Leach type of coach. Hmm. This is a guy who will do different things in order to best fit the personnel he has. So the question, Nick, is a good one. You know, will it fit what Sean Payton wants to do? Maybe, but I think Sean Payton will adapt. The question that we've heard over and over and over again, though, is Russell Wilson washed? Is he done? Now, him not doing the things that he's never done great, that doesn't, that's not an indicator. It's like, okay, he hasn't been great over the middle in his career. Well, he still wasn't. Okay, well, that doesn't really mean anything then. That's not who Russell Wilson is. I saw arm strength. I saw a quick release. I saw physical ability that tells me the man is not washed up as a quarterback. He still has the physical ability to be a plus quarterback in this league. Now, we're setting the bar much, much lower than when he came in, which was a good point. I think that was Wingo or somebody that said that. Um you know, well, I was one of the mics, wasn't it? Like I said, I don't watch these guys, man. <laughs> um, said, uh, you know, he was brought in to be the savior. And now someone's trying to save him. So from savior level, no, that's, I have absolutely no hopes and thoughts that he's going to become an all pro quarterback again for the Denver Broncos. That's gone for me. Yeah. Can he become an upper half quarterback for this team and lead them to the playoffs? Yeah, I still think he's got that. I agree with you. I do worry, and it's something we talked about on here a good bit, is that with teams really, uh, in today's NFL, really leaning towards nickel packages, uh, much more dime and penny uh, than we've seen historically, and playing so much too high safety looks, that teams are across the league are systematically targeting, taking away the areas where Russell Wilson has succeeded down the field. You know, you're not getting the aggressive cover one looks, you're not getting the cover three looks where there is more space down the field. Uh, we're seeing much more two deep uh, safeties, cover six, so cover what four. Should that, open up? that should open up the middle of the field, quick pass game, which is an issue with Wilson. That should also open up the run game. There you uh, go. That's the one for me, Nick. 
That's yes. the one for me. If you and want to sit back and take away the deep shots, that's fine. I'll take six yards at a time. Yes. And if I can take six yards at a time with Javante Williams and Samaj P. Ryan, I'm going to get my deep shots. Yes, 100%. And also just some data for that. Last year, we saw the highest yards per carry uh, in the NFL average that we've ever seen in the history of the league. Uh, so teams are leaning a little bit towards the run game being a solution to try to take advantage of these light boxes, of these super safe, you know, deep coverages. Base nickels. Uh, base dime nickel. is your second base down. I mean, you know, yeah. dime is your second down defense. Yeah, and and uh, the penny front as well with, you know, only one linebacker, five defensive backs, and uh, five defensive linemen. So what does that mean? Uh, run game should be more uh, more of an opportunity this year, but then it comes back to this point here from uh, Bradley Conger. Uh, they will look as good as the offensive line as soon as the offensive line comes together. Again, this is one reason that I've been – I used to be offensive line. You want to have a good offensive line, but you don't have to have a dominant offensive line if your quarterback is good enough. But I was in the quick pass, you know, Russell Wilson, Joe Burrow point of mind where it's the pass game, the deep pass game, smart decisions. But if it's the run game and it's run game personnel that's mattering, especially with Russell Wilson, that to me is 85% offensive line, 10% running back and 5% scheme. Uh, maybe a little bit more to scheme, but uh, offensive line for sure. gets more than half the credit for the success of a run game. I don't know if that Broncos, uh, this Broncos unit has it to those standards. If you cannot work the quick pass game uh, to an average level. If you cannot work the middle of the field pass game uh, to an average level compared to league average, it's the run game. Then I first game didn't look amazing to me and uh, we'll see if it can get better there, but I don't know. I don't love the depth and luckily a lot of the guys they signed are more run game oriented. So we'll see what it looks like in more. Not, no, I mean, almost everybody they signed was either to run the ball. I mean, th think of the tight ends, Nick. Think of a couple of the wide yeah. receivers they brought in. For a lot of them, were big dudes. Mm -hmm. um, look on the opposite side of the ball. Everything was about, you know. I'm, I'm sure Broncos country got sick of me saying the word bullied, but for two years we said the Broncos have been bullied in the trenches. Mm -hmm. It's the, man, this ain't rocket science. Despite everybody trying to come up with all these numerical formulas and changing names of stuff that's been around for a hundred years, if you're getting whipped in the trenches, none of that matters. Yeah. And the Broncos have been getting whipped in the trenches. So let's fix what is broken first before we can really, you know, we use car analogies all the time. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I got some new rims. Don't they look good? It doesn't matter. Your engine's gone. I, I'm, you're out of gas. Hmm. Nothing else. I cannot move this car unless I have gas. It's like your steps of troubleshooting are what is the first thing that breaks that keeps you from going. For me, it's your your offensive line. If your offensive line is broken, your team is broken, and you don't really know what else you've got if your offensive line is not letting those other guys perform. Yeah. So it'll be uh, interesting to follow um, for the Broncos this year, but that's pretty much the – it keeps coming back to that for me. And because Russell Wilson is not this undoubted, you know, all-pro top-five quarterback now, he is, like most quarterbacks, uh, needs to be married to a specific style of system and play. Uh, and that comes back to, for me, the offensive line. Some quarterbacks will be more wide receiver and weapon dependent. If Wilson is going to be an under center uh, running game, supplanting the quick pass game middle of the field, uh, that means the offensive line needs to probably end up being a top 10 unit for me this season, if they are going to make the playoffs. And that first game to me did not look like a top 10 unit. And apparently in training camp, they have also looked 
dreadful. Uh, so I'm, 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 uh, I'm concerned and it's concerned for, I don't think there's many avenues to improve it this season. And also it's concerned that the guys that they paid big money for aren't really cattle uh, being a catalyst for a massive turnaround on the offensive line, uh, which is you're married to some of those guys. And, and, and again, like I said, it's, it's obvious, you know, this, this isn't rocket science. No. And the first question that was asked of the offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi yesterday was about the offensive line. Um, you know, and he, he came out and says, you, you know, you have a couple of weeks, guys are working on their techniques. Sometimes we ask them to do things a little bit differently. I think it's natural that the first time they're live, uh, under live bullets, sometimes they revert meaning, and, and we've talked about that before too. You've got the repetition, repetition, repetition in order for what you've been doing to go away and what you want to do to become uh, muscle memory. You know, mm -hmm. I, I use a phrase a lot. I'd rather see you do it wrong. I mean, I'd rather see you do it right and fail than do it wrong and succeed. You know, mm -hmm. whether you're watching, you know, a bad swing in baseball, you know, okay. Yeah. yeah you're hitting home runs now, but it, it's not going to last. Um, if you're watching, if you happen to be, if you, if you like soccer or basketball, either way, I'd rather see a guy miss with his offhand than stop and go back to his dominant hand to try and put the ball up. You know, if a guy's got an open shot on his left foot, take it, not try and cut back and get it back onto his right. I'd rather see you take it and miss while you develop. So that's kind of what he's talking about. He's like, we're asking guys to do things a little bit different and you've got some new players in and it's going to take a little bit of time. Again, we, we said this on Tuesday, Nick. I, I feel like if I'm if I'm looking at the the concerns on this team and our biggest concern coming out of a first preseason game was the offensive line. I think you've got the personnel for the offensive line to get right. Mm -hmm. Whether that happens or not, we'll see. But I think your personnel is okay. That's that doesn't scare me as much as okay this area of the team the defensive line depth across the board i don't know that you got the personnel to ever be okay that's scarier for me yeah it's uh reports from coming from training camp is that the defensive line has looked okay and has been winning a lot of reps which again comes back to the offensive line not being have you done joint practices to... yet no, that's the Rams uh, next week. So we'll find, although the Rams offensive line depth is absolutely abysmal uh, <laughs> as well. So, I mean, they're, they are horrible. Yeah. Um, you really, it's really hard to have depth and quality in the body types in the trenches when you continuously trade your draft capital and the Rams and the Broncos have been some of the lowest in terms of uh, draft value draft picks, Scott. Uh, well, that's when you get numbers, you know, the numbers. Yeah. You know, like you're saying, you, you take a shot. You know, how are you going to how are you going to be good on the offensive line when you haven't drafted a tackle in seven years? Yeah. Uh, they try to pay ones, um, but uh, the uh, Juwan James signing, not very good. Durability uh, was abandoned. Be now, nice. How long do you have McGlinchey now? You signed him, I think it's a five year contract. Probably uh, at least three. You yeah. Better draft a damn tackle next year. Just stack them up. You talk them all the time. Stack them up like cordwood. Get a guy that's familiar with being a Bronco, knows what you want to do. He instead of bringing somebody in new, trying to prove himself, I we use cross sport analogies all the time. And I used to yeah. watch the New York Yankees sign guys to big contracts, whether it was Alex Rodriguez or Mark Teixeira, Hall of Fame type players. They all struggled their first year, all of them in New York with that pressure and that contract. Now, baseball is different than football, obviously. I, I get it. But my point is, 
you got to invest in the offensive line more than just trying to buy a fix here and there, Nick, you, you, you gotta, you gotta start drafting some guys. You have to. Yeah. And uh, we'll get back to the offensive line here in a second, but first Roderick Coke coming in saying, uh, broke my toenail out for the season. Gotta hate this sort of thing. Well, that means plenty of beer and cheese, cheese and couch and, uh, chilling for you. So hopefully it's that's going to be okay. Man. Tape it up. <laughs> Luca tape. It's an amazing thing. Uh, EJ, hopefully offensive line plays better in the next game. Uh, we got Mark Schrader coming in saying, good morning. Hope you're doing well, Mark. Always appreciate you coming in. Uh, we have J vibes coming in. So I listen to you guys a lot in the morning, get through my work. Uh, Saturday, I'll be at the Broncos game, 30 rows back, very close seats, getting so excited. Hopefully that'll be a, a fun game for you. And hopefully you don't see f- good seats to any injuries. That's always the biggest thing coming out of preseason for me. Donald Wilson Jr. says, sorry, I'm late. You don't got to apologize. It's okay. We appreciate you um, coming in and saying hello. Hope you're doing well. Uh, we got uh, Dom saying good morning and also says our offense defensive line depth is awful. Scott, somebody that we've pooped on here a lot, I guess we'll just come out and say that, uh, that we've been, you know, how is this guy starting? He's looked terrible, but been a lot of uh, positive hype coming from Jonathan Harris in uh, Broncos training camp and facilities. Now, again, keeps coming back to, we'll, I'll believe it when we see it, uh, but that is a something to watch, uh, no doubt for me, just uh, with the defensive line depth. Maybe it finally clicks for him. Uh, Kathy coming in saying, is Bulls done? Or are we back to being uh, after, or was it's it more being he's back? just coming back from an injury? I don't know. I mean, he was best in that one weird uh, season with the fans not really there. Uh, and also with Mike Munchak, maybe he's a somebody who's a lost cause I, as far as you know, working out that contract. I'm curious if he if there's any issues in with the coaches or in the locker room and he struggles again this upcoming game. I think the Broncos could save 12 million with only 6 million dead uh, if they move on from him this year. I don't think that's likely to happen because uh, you're kind of already have questions at offensive tackle, but uh, you, you do have Clam Fleming still there last year who uh, held up okay. And uh, there's been some positive momentum, uh, some talk coming from uh, Alex Pezluski, uh, the undrafted tackle from Illinois who started like six seasons uh, in Champaign at left tackle, starting as a true freshman and uh, undrafted free agent. Doesn't really have the body type and tools to be a good tackle, but on tape, he wins a lot of reps. So, uh, Curious. I think he's getting a little bit uh, more important reps in camp. But Garrett Bowles, uh, can he recover? Is he even going to be on the team this year? I mean, the Broncos apparently asked him for a restructure. There was some talk about trade rumors. I wouldn't be surprised at all if there was some the Broncos taking calls on him right now uh, to see if there was anybody interested in him. I would. I'd be really surprised. Okay. I've- whether they're making some calls, whether they're taking some calls, I don't think anybody's calling the Denver Broncos. I think the Broncos are actively <laughs> active, passively seeing what the market looks like right now. Yeah, They might be making some calls and putting out there. Um, and again, it makes some sense. You could, you could save some money and roll it over. However you want to do it next year. Um, but I don't think you would save some money, Nick, because in order to move him, you're going to have to pay somebody to take him. You think so this year? I think so. Um, that's not a good sign for the no, he's got a base of salary of 14 million. Okay, no one's taking on 14 million of Garrett Bowles' contract, it's not gonna happen. Not the way he's like, it, again, it goes back to we talk about this all the time. I kind of laugh at different, you know, it, it's it's this isn't a Broncos thing, this isn't any, this is 
universally sports fans. Man, this guy stinks. He's overpaid. He's injured. Trade him. Yeah. What? <laughs> who who wants that guy? All right. So Garrett Bowles is struggling and he's really expensive. Trade him. You can't trade him. You might be able to pay somebody to take him, but you're still going to have to eat his contract. One more year, Garrett Bowles. You're you're. If you were going to move on. Let me put it, let me, let me change on that. You could, you're going to have to pay somebody to take him. You might be able to get a, a late round pick on it because it is, it's, it's an 18, 10, I think this year he's an 18 cap hit against 10. So you save money if he just goes away, which would mean paying out his guarantee, but to trade him, someone would have to pick up his contract and nobody's picking up $14 million. He's more likely to be cut Nick. I was just unless you want to buy a pick like you did with Von Miller. Yeah. Say you take him on, we'll pay a salary, send us a third. If he struggles, uh, continues to struggle as much as he has in camp, I think they will have a conversation. I don't think uh, Bulls last season looked that much better than Cam Fleming did out there, specifically in the run game. Uh, Bulls' ability, especially in the gap scheme, is just bad. I mean, he has an issue moving people. He's he's a pushing sub three hundred. Uh, offensive tackle, which is, you know, I think he's like in the 15th percentile for offensive tackle. He's small uh, for the body type and the size. So do they want to go much cheaper and save that money and potentially release him? I want to give a shout out to, uh, I think it was Sire Bettinger, put an article out there saying uh, it's definitely, I mean, 14 million that you could use next year. Possibly, I don't think it's likely, but I don't think that they are super happy uh, with the position right now based on what I've heard and specifically the left tackle position themselves. so we'll see how it plays out. Uh, my other question then beyond this, real for quick, Bulls, then we'll put a yeah. put an, an, an end on this. <clears throat> We've talked about culture. You know mm-hmm. why is McManus gone? Bowles is a a leader of this team who's had very little success. Mm-hmm. It may just be a change of scenery, man. You know, mm-hmm. listen, we've we've got to we've got to move on from some of these guys who have not known winning with the Denver Broncos. That might be part of it. A change of scenery could do him some good as well but we said at the very beginning when you can save eight million dollars by waving just flat out cutting him this year and that was pre-june 1st he's vulnerable mm-hmm. he's vulnerable yeah so it'll be interesting to follow up my question with bulls is that you know i'm already starting to dig into the 2024 draft class and uh, it does seem like some of the potential upshot players uh, for the position next year at offensive tackle are more so right tackles. Uh, so I am curious if the Broncos would even consider potentially moving Mike McGlinchey uh, over to left tackle next season for a year, two years, if the best offensive tackle available is a right tackle uh, in trade versus a left tackle. And there are two names. Uh, the top two tackles uh, in the draft for 2024 right now are both left tackles uh, in Olu Fashanu from uh, Penn State and Joe Alt, uh, Notre Dame, two names to keep an eye on. Unless the Broncos are picking in the top 10, I'm not sure that you're going to have a chance at either of those guys. Uh, so then it becomes a question of right tackles. And uh, Georgia has a five-star right tackle uh, named Mims, um, who is really intriguing monster, like 6'7", 330 pounds, great athlete. And Alabama, oh, those two schools, another five-star right tackle. Uh, and Latham, who thought I thought looked pretty good last season, doesn't quite trust his technique yet, uh, but... Once he does, I think he's going to be pretty good. Those guys are right tackles, probably late round one to round three range right now, based just on their tools and body types. 
Maybe the Broncos have to move on from Bowles and move McGlinchey over for a year. McGlinchey did play some left tackle at Notre Dame. I don't think it's an ideal situation, but I think that you McGlinchey being signed shouldn't keep you from drafting the best tackle available. Uh, if you can get the best five out there, and that means moving McGlinchey, so be it. No, you have a conversation. Do you an internal conversation? Let me hit uh, David on this real quick while we're talking about draft picks. He says, "Hey Scott, how many draft picks do we have next year? You've got seven, and <clears throat> it kind of looks like a rainbow based on where those picks are coming from because only three of them are your own. According to Tankathon, you've got a first that's your own. You've got the third from the Saints, a fourth from the Dolphins, a fifth that's your own, a fifth from the Jets, a seventh from the Rams, and a seventh that's your own." Um, the hard conversation that you're going to have one is what do we do with Garrett Bowles' contract? Do we cut him outright? Do we do, did he play well enough that we ask him to restructure and basically take a pay cut, um, where we extend him and cut his cap number. Those are things. Once you have that decision, then you, you have a lot of other questions and then offensive tackle becomes a, a, a huge priority. And, but again, Nick, I, I think what I just say, you know, like fifth, fifth, seventh, seventh on a couple of those mm-hmm. drafts, one of those guys should be a tackle flat out. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about don't, don't reach, don't reach. Well, in the fifth and seventh rounds, you're not reaching. There's guys out there that'll be pretty in a block on your board that all have basically the same grade. I guarantee you there's going to be a tackle in there. Man, take one. Take one. Start stacking these guys up. Trade that fifth for two sevenths and take two. Yeah, those seventh round picks are the hit rate is so low. Like teams it's are kind not of much starting better at fifth for offensive linemen, but they hit. Yeah. You know, but again, get some guys in there that know what it means to be Broncos, and you're not having to overpay. You know, again, you mentioned Cam Fleming. We've we talked right. about Cam Fleming. There's, there's in here, and sorry to cut you off on this, Nick, but it's okay. It becomes value versus performance, and yes, it's an exponential exponential curve. An average player is way down here. A guy 10% better in the top 10% is way up here. But for your value, Cam Fleming, you got much better value on Cam Fleming than you did in Garrett Bowles. You would be better off with $15 million in salary cap money and Cam Fleming as your left tackle, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's just one game. And I see comments and, you know, give it a rest, small sample size. It is that, but also you guys have to know that at least I talked to some people um, in the facility and there are concerns. Um, and I don't think there is, there's some people who are not super happy uh, with number 72 right now. And I'm cu- I think those whispers are going to get louder and louder if uh, the struggles uh, continue. Um, so just, yeah, I guess this is a, a preempting you guys to uh, if 72 doesn't get better out there in uh, many phases uh, that there could be a lot of uh, discussion and, uh, upsetness this season. And Mike, yeah, I'm, I'm not a professional athlete. If I was getting paid to be that guy, then criticize me away. Um, you can criticize anyway, like you're doing now. It's fine yeah, for $15 million. And that's my job. Yeah. You're, you're criticizing us. And it kind of is our job to talk about and pontificate on what does it the mean? Broncos may and what they may or may not do. And if you don't like it, hit the leave button because that's what we do here. So yeah. I, I, I never understand people that come in and say, well, you guys shouldn't be talking about this. Really? That's, that's what, this is it's kind of what it is. If you don't like it, go away, man. I appreciate Mike a lot of times coming in, but uh, it's just, you know, we're concerned right now and uh, we're trying to figure out what it means and what it could look like in all the different scenarios. Uh, Joshua Bacon coming in saying I'm a Saints fan. 
Peyton will fix the Broncos. I think Peyton will fix the Broncos as well. I think that the AFC West and the AFC itself is a lot tougher than the NFC that Sean Payton was coming into at that time. Uh, so uh, that, what does that mean? I think it's not going to be, you know, AFC championship that first year uh, for Sean Payton, kind of like it was the NFC championship that first year, but uh, who knows? Um, that's why you play the football games. Maybe things will really turn around, but it keeps coming back to the offensive line for me. Mark Kamenin says you give the worst quarterback in football time to find a second and third read. He'll tear you apart. Great quarterbacks have a bad line or he's toast uh, and he's toast. Peyton Manning, it's a pretty damn poor offensive lines. I mean, you can, if you are truly great, you can have just an okay offensive line and get by, but I don't think Wilson is a truly great quarterback. I don't think he can, he's not a chameleon in how he wins. He has to have a certain style. Uh, they're talking about in that get up. That's still the Russell Wilson offense to it, to an extent where it's should be under center, deep play action, uh, balanced. That's the best way because he does have issues in the quick pass game in the middle of the field. Uh, and that itself leans into you need to have a good offensive line to function that way in a game. To, a week no, to week and, and I know the point Mark's trying to make here, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. But there's there's levels to this. Yeah. You know, Aaron Rodgers masked a lot of problems the Green Bay Packers had for years mm -hmm. with with the lack of investment in the offense while they were going for defense. Um, Zach Wilson, the more time you gave him, the worse he got, <laughs> which was super scary. Um, but yeah, I mean, I said it before, down to the college level, if you see a quarterback take a five-step drop, plant his foot and throw, it's a completion 90% of the time. I mean, it's just, it's pitch and catch. Yeah. So being on rhythm, trusting your offensive line is so huge, no matter who the quarterback is. Absolutely. Yeah, without a doubt. And Trevon Hodge saying Denver or nothing. Absolutely. We do appreciate that. Uh, we have a, uh, so my final thought here on the uh, Bulls thing before we can move forward on this and start really looking into the 49ers game even more uh, is that if Cam Fleming, I thought, looked any good at that uh, Cardinal game, then it'd be, we may be having a serious conversation about what, what it looks like. Uh, we, I guess we kind of already are, but Cam Fleming did not look great uh, versus the Cardinals. He looked uh, equally poor uh, handling speed rushers, and uh, I don't know how much of it was the turf because he was on his, uh, he losing his footing a good bit in that matchup. Uh, so we'll see what it looks like out here in Santa Clara versus the 49ers. But uh, I think Fleming struggling after Bulls went out there and was poor uh, makes this not as likely of a conversation in the immediacy. Even when if was the card he signed, how long was he? Was he a free agent? He's been back for a while, hasn't he? Didn't they sign him in, in the I spring? Like, I, th I think it was like June. He was okay. out there for a little bit, but he's been out there through all of. He like, might have missed like OTAs. Yeah. So no, we've 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 been saying. Go back to the beginning instead of just typing away on your keyboard. <laughs> the personnel is there for the Denver Broncos. Feel much better about the personnel on the offensive line and them getting right. Mm -hmm. Then the defense scares me a little bit. The defensive line still scares me a little bit, the people that are there. Um, but we're also always, and we have been for a year, going to talk about salary caps and contracts. I don't care... It, Garrett Bowles can turn into the second coming of Tony Baselli and Jonathan Ogden. He's not playing on that contract next year. It's not going to happen. They'll either extend him or they'll make a different decision. So there are going to be lots of options for Garrett Bowles. And we're here to make sure you know about him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And Mark Hoynack coming in saying our best chance against the Raiders is if Max Crosby catches a cold. Been a thorn in our side for years for every matchup. Yeah, Max Crosby is probably the single most underrated defensive player in football. I think I saw last season he played – this sounds wrong, but from my head, it played 96% of the defensive snaps for the Raiders, which is 
on the the defensive line, which is like unheard of. I think it it was something like unbelievable Um, for a defensive lineman is crazy. Uh, They drafted Tyrell, um, Tyree, excuse me, from uh, Texas Tech this last year. So the Raiders have some interesting talent, length and power at edge. Um, I think the big question here for the Broncos is how are they going to stop Max Crosby? They're going to running back him, dude. You're right. It was 96% of the snaps. He had 1,100 snaps at 25 years old. Dude's going to be burned out at 27. That's unheard of for a defensive lineman. I mean, even like the top, typically it's about 80, 85, 96. Let's say say what Miles Garrett is. I bet Miles Garrett's 70 at most, you think? I would go 82. Miles Garrett, defensive snaps. Um, last year snap counts was 79, 79, which he, which is, um, the last three, he's been pretty steady. It was as a rookie 71, then 86 was a career high in 2018, 81, 80, 77, 79. So he played 800 snaps. So Max Crosby played the equivalent of like four more games than, than him. So you could make the argument that maybe Max Crosby's stats are padded because he's had a per snap basis better. But the fact that he's out there playing run defense on a lot of these and uh, 96% snap. So most underrated player, uh, defensive player in football in my book. How do you neutralize him? Broncos last season. I think we don't have the official data on this, but I would be floored if they didn't have the lowest average yards to go on third down in the entire NFL uh, last season with how terrible their run game personnel was and how terrible their uh, uh, the pre-procedural uh, penalties were, you know, holdings, uh, false starts, et cetera, et cetera, had to lead to the longest average third yard, third down yards to go in the NFL. For the offense, how do you slow down pass rushers? Third and two, third and three. Uh, being more effective and efficient on first and second down with taking the yards that are there in the pass game, you know, tucking the ball and running, picking up yards, and rushing the ball more effectively on those plays as well. So I think that's the Broncos' best bet against the Raiders. Broncos need, and it's one of the reasons I really wanted Jim Harbaugh to come in here. They need to be able to bully ball a little bit and run the ball efficiently where they are doing a better job. And shout out to Vance, Vance Joseph as well, kind of uh, bringing this around in a different way, uh, talking about how the defense was leaky in their tackling, how there was way too many, you know, third and twos, third mm-hmm. and threes. Uh, that's the Broncos want to be there on the opposite end with right. the offense because that's, last that's season. The problem the two years I've been covering this team is you're yeah. always in third and eight and your opponent's always in third and two. Mm-hmm. Tough to win games like that. Yeah. So hopefully, uh, how do you neutralize Max Crosby and like that, uh, guys like that on third and two, they have to play the run then. And the run is an equal option on a third and two as well. And also if you're playing third and two, third and three, and the run is an option there, that's when you can take some kill shots. Uh, the play acts, a lot of big plays down the field, come on, you know, a play action shot from third and two, third and three of those guys firing down. Broncos just didn't have that opportunity last year, uh, because they were so bad on first and second down made it almost impossible, uh, to be aggressive on those third downs. Lawrence Rivera uh, says, if Russ gets rid of the ball in under two seconds or less, he will score over two touchdowns and will win every game. That literally needs to be fixed. I don't think it's the only only the line. Uh, that's very quick pass game oriented uh, for two seconds or less. I think the average is right around two and a half. Uh, for the-, no, the, um, in tw- the fastest is like Tom Brady was two and a half. So the fastest is two and a half on average. That's the okay. fastest. <laughs> I know it's very close. It's like 
the range is like 2.5 to like 3.2. Like, so it's less than a second. That's a lot. I mean, the range. Yeah. When, when you're running, and that's seven yards. I can run a delayed blitz on 0.7 seconds. I mean, yeah. at full speed, basically, a, a step is a tenth of a second. That's mm -hmm. seven yards of, again, that's, that's a long time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Lawrence, you, you just heard me say, you know, and I've said it a zillion times. I'll say it one more. The, the quick read, first read throws are complete 90% of the time. They, they just, it's, it's just pitch and catch. It's timing. It's one, two, three. This guy's open, hit him, done, yards. We didn't see any of that last year, ever. The more reads you have to go through, it's almost like, again, cross-sport reference, you know, hitting three, one versus hitting one and two. You know, it, it's a dramatic difference in your in your ability to pick out a pitch and 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 hit your pitch instead of making reads and all the things that can go wrong. By the time I go from read one, read two, read three, there's a lot that can go wrong between now and then. Um, so the quicker the ball comes out, the more successful you're going to be. That's pretty much universal. Yes, you like guys that can make plays on a broken play, but a broken play is no basis for an offense. Appreciate yeah. the stars, Lawrence. Yeah, thanks so much, Lawrence. Uh, adding on to that topic as well, one thing last season that I thought the Broncos struggled a lot with was the pre-snap checks uh, on the line of scrimmage, understanding where pressure is coming from and what that looks like. I don't think Sean Payton's going to be very forgiving if the quarterback is not identifying pressures pre-snap and understanding that, hey, if we have an, a blitz coming, it's your job to read the blitz is coming and know where the hot read is. I think that uh, Payton's going to do a great job of dialing up uh, quick hitters at the right time and with the uh, outlets and uh, hot read routes uh, out there as well. But that still is on the quarterback to identify that and know to go there because you can't go one, two, three, four, <laughs> if they're sending seven guys, you need to see, Oh, I can see that they're sending seven. Where's my hot route. Uh, did not see that enough in the small sample size, only five blitzes, but didn't see that enough in the, and some of them were screens as well, but didn't see it enough against the Cardinals and did not see it at all last season uh so that's a that's a big one for me as well well and all the things that can go wrong one of the more damaging one as lawrence said the longer you hold on to the ball is 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 holding you know that's one of the things that can happen you can't call holding if the quarterback doesn't have the ball anymore that's true again so getting rid of the ball quickly is a big deal um in the nfl for sure and russell did not do a good job hasn't done a great job of getting rid of the ball quickly something that needs to improve um the laughable take from CBS, I think that was the, the title on Mile High Huddle about, you know, oh yeah, sure, he hit the slant, but that was a gimme. You know, no credit there for the slant on fourth down after a guy had just dropped the ball to have the, to go right back to him on a hot read on a slant. That's, that's a pretty good play. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a really good play on fourth down after the guy had just dropped the ball. If they were able to hit that play to KJ Hamler, against the Colts, that would have been one more win. That's how much difference those little gimme plays in the right read at the right time can make, and it's already being addressed. So that's one more win. How many wins does does it make? How many, how many wins will it make a difference if they're doing this, this, and this? There's one right there. Hit that slant against the Colts to KJ Hamler. There's one. There's one of your wins right there. See how easy this is? <laughs> and the Broncos, didn't they have the worst one score record last season? If not, they're in the bottom five uh, yeah, of that. And so. a lot of that was by design. Like we've said, you know, if, if I know you can't score, I'm not going to do anything to put myself in danger. I'll just grind you down. Yeah. 
you know, I'll just play field position until I beat you in the fourth quarter. It's uh it's park NFL style parking the bus. Right. Uh, that's what the uh, Iowa Hawkeyes have done for under Kirk France for a number of years, but uh clutch master 59 coming in nine ninety nine with a super sticker. Thank you so much. Clutch master. Uh, we really appreciate the support on the show. If you guys want to be like clutch master, make sure you drop in and uh, support us by dropping a super sticker, superstar, super chat. Any of that is uh, greatly appreciated on this Thursday show. And Scott, we're at 47 minutes. We should probably talk a little bit of 49ers, what we're looking for in this game. Uh, I am curious. So the 49ers have obviously moved on from uh, D'Amico Ryans, who's now the head coach of the uh, Houston Texans. Mm-hmm. They brought in Steve Wilkes as their new defensive coordinator. It does good sound hire. like they're good. I mean, good we, hire. we love Steve Wilkes here, um, mm-hmm. without a doubt. Uh, I'm curious to see uh, how the Broncos offensive line looks. I don't think it's going to be, you know, the seven man blitzes that we saw like versus the Cardinals, but Wilkes is going to be bring a little bit more pressure. Uh, than D'Amico Ryans. I want to see what the offense looks like and what we just talked about. I want to see Wilson's ability to handle that pressure and identify that pressure pre-snap, not take a long time, not hit the back of his drop and then understand, oh, they're sending seven. No, that needs to be pre-snap or like as soon as you get the ball, you need to be able to identify that and uh, get rid of the ball and make the quick, uh, correct hot read. Last uh, The last game, but he was two for five against the Blitz. Not good enough. Uh, you should know, where, especially when you have a jury duty out there. If he blitz, it means he's going to probably have one-on-one coverage. Know where the ball should go. Yeah, he's a man beater for sure. Uh, the one-on-one, those gimmies, that's because Jerry Judy's good. Yeah. Um, you know, find the guy. If you don't jam him at the line, it's, it is it is a gimme. So take it. They're going to give it to you. Take it. Um, which team does this preseason game have more value for in regards to regular season preparation? Keith, that's a great question. I almost want to say... San Francisco, honestly, just because of the quarterback situation being a little unsettled right there. Um, but it means a lot for the Denver Broncos, obviously, too, for all the reasons we've talked about, especially on offense, the continuity. Um, with the defense, again, I'm worried about personnel on defense more than how you're going to scheme because defense is about dudes. It's not as much as about schemes. It's about having the right guys. Where offense is... One guy not doing his job can ruin a play. On defense, one guy doing his job can ruin a play for you in the right way. So we want to see a little more continuity out of the offense. We want to see a little bit more competency out of the offensive line. And then Russ just be chill. You know, I don't I don't need him to, to go throw three touchdowns. I don't even know how much he's going to play. But just be, you know, again, I want to see some running game. I want to see you beat some of the guys that they put in front of you. We should see some more one-on-one matchups and win some of those and take the next step because week three, you probably won't see your your, your number ones at all. So this will might be the best game chance for you to see the dress rehearsal before you go to week one. Yeah, for me, it's the Broncos. It's more valuable just because you're still trying to uh... – implement a new offense and new coaching staff on both sides of the ball where the 49ers, well, Steve Wilkes is there. Uh, they have a lot more continuity out there. So they kind of, they can click into place. They know what they want to do out there. A lot of the returning same players, not as much uh, overturn as the Broncos had. So will be uh, interesting to follow, but Broncos other thing about the 49ers and we got a clips coming in. How is Riley Moss coming along? Will he start? Riley Moss is dealing with an abdominal injury. Uh, he's been out. Uh, it probably really puts him behind the eight ball a little bit to start the season. Uh, I think he's probably the fourth boundary corner right now. If you had put, you know, gun to my head, if I had to guess with uh, Joel, Jaquan McMillan, who's been healthy as the first boundary corner off the bench, uh, but they traded up for Riley Moss. Uh, unfortunately, he had a hip injury, which is a hernia like injury, whatever that means. Uh, 
quote Sean Payton on that one, but uh, he will not start this year. Uh, hopefully we'll see him at some point, but not because of injury, just because he's uh, playing well and you want to get some depth out there. Yeah. I, I, I don't know that I expect to see Riley Moss in the preseason at all, Nick. No, we won't. Yeah. Okay. Um, so start. No, I'm not expecting to see him just, you know, take care of the injury, those soft tissue injuries, just give him an extra week, you know, give him as much time as you need in the preseason because those pulls and strains linger. They just mm-hmm. linger. Appreciate the support. Uh, Eclipse. Thank you very much. Uh, Troy coming in. Uh Regular like clockwork with support for the the Mile High Huddle podcast shows, including Broncos for Breakfast. So thank you, Troy. Says, hey guys, we'll listen later. Have a great show. Well, let us know what you think. Hit us up in the comments afterwards. See if we had a great show. Um, sometimes we're good. Sometimes we're not so good. So uh, we have our off days too. So Troy, you're on every time. So thank you so much. Yeah, my favorite is uh, on days, off days. Uh, Scott's easier to read. Uh, and today's uh, topic, listening to the Get Up folks. He was ready for that to be over as soon as it started. But uh, no, yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting to follow. The other thing about the 49ers game that I'm curious and talked about it a second ago, but the 49ers have done an unbelievable job uh, implementing run games and run schemes. And this is going to be a big test uh, for the Broncos in their ability to stop the run uh, this week. We've heard Vance Joseph talked about it. He was not super happy with the first team defense uh, leak yardage. So like they'd make contact with the running back. And then that running back would, you know, squirt forward for another three yards. And that's the difference between a third and six and a third and three, which is a big time difference for uh, the conversion success rate for that team and what you need to do defensively. So hopefully seeing the Broncos uh, tackling get a little bit better, more sound uh, overall. So that'll be a uh, a key for me as well. I don't think we're going to see Christian McCaffrey. I'm not overly impressed with the 49ers offensive line depth. Uh, also, that's another team that's traded away a lot of picks and they're talent and the offensive side of the trenches looks a little bit lean because of that, in my opinion. Uh, but uh, that's a, that's a big matchup as well. Cause the Broncos last season, not very good uh, stopping the run early too many uh, third and shorts. And it's hard to get pressure when it's third and two and third and three. Yeah. Trent Williams is still pretty good after that. The right tackle, the right tackle, the right tackle replacement, Colton McKivitz. I don't know too much about him. Um, um his backup, Matt Fryer, we've seen around a, a little bit here. Spencer Burford, we we was a guy that was a late round pick that we really liked. Mm-hmm. Again, just man, just there needs to be more investment in the offensive line through draft. There, there just has to be. Yeah, uh, Col- Colton McKivitz was a uh, left tackle, uh, or excuse me, a right tackle for West Virginia. I think he was a late draft or undrafted free agent out there. Uh, he's probably prefer him to be a backup uh, than a starter. So that's a, that's a weak spot for them. I don't think their interior is very great either. Aki Dragon says, wonder how San Francisco feels about the uh, Trey Lance trade. I think not very good. Um, so uh, obviously they, the quote from Kyle Shanahan was uh, Brock Purdy will be the starter unless he melts or something like that, which is just a crazy uh, quote. But um, yeah, I don't think they feel great about the Trey Lance one. Such a weird circumstance. Didn't play a lot in North Dakota state came out. I think he was only 18 years old in the pre pandemic uh season and then got didn't play his first year got injured second week two last season i mean just has not had the snaps so i'm hoping trey lance goes somewhere where he can get some snaps uh the buccaneers and the commanders stick out to me as two teams with dreadful quarterback rooms that could give him a chance uh but uh, it's a weird situation out there for trey lance and the 49ers yeah and i saw you you may have sent it to me nick just or i just clicked on trey lance and saw it but it was like 
he's only got like 400 throws in his career. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, maybe that's because he he's not good enough uh, as part of it. You know, that he didn't play a ton in high school, played one year of college. And, he, you know, the, the idea of trading three first-round picks to go up and get to that spot was mind-numbing to me at the time. And history hasn't done them any favors, frankly. Um, you know, what are they going to get back for him if they get rid of him? <clears throat> I don't know. But if you scouted him and whatever grades you had on him, knock it down about two rounds. If you thought he was a first-round grade, now you've lost two years of uh, – this will be three years, actually, if you if you waited till after this year, then trade a third for him. That should be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that was expensive. That was an expensive trade. Um, Lauren Trevera coming in. Thank you, sir, with some more stars. Been a superstar today on the, uh, on the, on the stars on Facebook today. Thank you, sir. This is yeah. good chat. Everybody, yeah, great job in the, great job to all of y'all out there, uh, and good show, everyone. So thank you, sir. Yeah, we appreciate you, Jeremy. I was saying maybe Kyle should have stuck to his guns and picked Mac Jones. I don't know if Mac Jones is going to be the starter in uh, New England this year. There is some uh, Bailey Zappy uh, momentum out there in New England. Uh, he went like four, 12 for fourteen or something in the preseason game, and he was that'll be a surprise good. to me. I think they if he, are. If pretty- he is a successful NFL quarterback, I would qualify that as a surprise. Uh, just with the arm talent and whatnot. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. Uh, I just didn't think he had the tools to cut it in the NFL. He looked pretty good last season, uh, all things considered. Yeah, but, but he came in for what one game? You know, it's mm-hmm. it wasn't he wasn't in for much. And he mm-hmm. had one good game and all of a sudden everybody, Bailey's happy, Bailey's happy, Bailey's happy. And then I think he fell off a cliff. Yeah, as those guys tend to do. Yeah. And uh, you know, so can you sustain it? Not come in and and have, you know, a, a nice pitch and catch. I mean, have a have a good game. Okay, that happens. Yeah. Can you sustain it over the course of a season? He played four games, started four games last season. Really good game against Cleveland. Other than that, not so great. Um, yeah. So we'll see. I don't think uh, there was a lot of Mac Jones potential trade talk this offseason as well, if you recall. There's I don't a lot think of Mac that... Jones hate going around. I guess he's not the most humble of people in the world. Oh, yeah. And who was the player who said that he was an absolute? You, you Clay know Campbell. Oh, it's Campbell. Yeah. yeah. Freaking Shaq out there at 6'8", 300 pounds. He's like, wait, you're talking trash to me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, final thoughts before we get out of here, just how the offense is shaping up. Uh, we talked a lot. Scott, we talked a lot about offensive tackle and defensive line as well. Those would be, you know, a 1A and 1B for me for the team building goals for next offseason in the draft. One spot that kind of makes me curious as well is uh, the tight end spot. Uh, for the Broncos. And this is because we had a uh, Sean Payton talk two days ago about Greg Dulcich and mentioned that there's going to be packages for Greg Dulcich out there. That to me doesn't seem like somebody who is going to be a huge factor in the offense. If you're talking about a guy having packages, typically it's kind of a niche look in my opinion and not super transferable uh, from a formation to formation play. Uh, so I'm curious what that looks like. Uh, and I think that maybe tight end uh, is a position that the Broncos are going to be scouring. I knew there was a lot of interest internally, uh, reported interest internally in Luke Musgrave from Oregon State and uh, Michael Mayer from Notre Dame. Those guys both don't make it to the Broncos in the second round, but a wide tight end uh, that is a little bit of a do-everything guy, which I think Lombardi went on and on about Troutman yesterday and being a do-everything guy. I think that's a big piece of what this offense wants to be so they can use them in both 11 and 12 personnel. That's not Greg Dulcich, and I think Troutman's more of a Band-Aid position, uh, kind of guy for that spot as well. So tight end is a dark horse for me as well. 
I, I agree with you 100%. I don't even know how much of a dark horse it is. I think of Trout. I mean, I think of Dulcich as a receiver, not a wide receiver, not a tight end. I just think of him as a pass catcher. Mm -hmm. um, is he one of your best four pass catchers? Maybe. I, I think he probably is. So therefore, they will find he will find snaps because you're going to be passing the ball 55 to 60% of the game, mm -hmm. probably 55% of the time. Three, four wide receivers, rotations. He's going to get plenty of snaps, but... I don't think of him as a necessarily as certainly not a traditional tight end. So therefore it is, it is a, a big need um, out there. I, I agree with you. I think that's a, it's a great shout. Um, Michael Rancio coming in with some stars. Great show today. About ready to close this out. Nick and Scott on Broncos for breakfast and Vak coming in. Thank you for the good words. My man, he says, you're on late. I never see you live. I'm going to watch this from the beginning. Well, thank you, sir. You're my favorite podcast. Just wanted to let you know. It means a lot, dude. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you shout so out much. from India. So that's pretty awesome. One of the reasons I love doing these morning shows is the international flavor to it. Yeah, really cool to hear from where, uh, see and hear where everybody's from on these shows. And Scott and I are big time travelers as well. So we got Kathy in Germany, right? Mm -hmm. Roderick's over in England. Patrick's in uh, Hawaii, who just checked in. Vak in India. I mean, we got the globe covered, man. Yeah, it is pretty, pretty darn awesome. Uh, and glad you guys are here joining us, even though the Broncos have been dreadful <laughs> the last few seasons hopefully they're going to be better final question from heath uh, wrapping it all up how bad does russ have to be for him to cut and move on i don't believe that he will ever reach the point with peyton and we should have him for at least two or three seasons the reality is with how russell's contract is set up is that if you move on if you don't move from him on from him after this season you probably are rolling with him on your books the next two seasons unless you're paying somebody to take him off your books uh but the i think it's 16 million becomes guaranteed for him. It's like a contract guarantee uh, for him against the books. The fifth day of the league year next season for the 2025 season. So you are a, you have a choice this season. It's like a two year option where if you keep him uh, it's 2024 and 2025 with that massive uh, big guarantee uh, money hit that he would have on his contract. And it's an 85 million dead cap number. Yeah. for 2024 it would Good take luck. a lot i mean he it'd be tough i mean it, it goes down to where you you about break even where his his cap number his cap number goes to 55 against 49 against 49 million so you're about even but you're still talking about a 50 a 50 million dead cap i i think he'd have to be unplayable Really, Nick. I mean, we we've talked about this a lot, but then I, you know, you look at that dead cap number. Can you eat an eighty-five million dollar dead cap number? I mean, what's? I think the biggest was Matt Ryan. His was fifty. Mm -hmm. I think his was a fifty million dollar dead cap number. Uh, Carson Wentz, I believe, was second, and his was in the thirties. I think eighty million dollars. You, you really want to try and stretch that across two years and eat a forty million dollar dead cap number two years in a row? Man. That's untenable. You're better off almost mothballing him, just mothballing him and paying him the money and saying, okay, his cap hit in 2024 is $35 million. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, better to have him the third quarterback on my 53 man roster at $35 million cap hit than as a dead cap hit of $45 million this year and next year. It just, I have a hard time doing that, doing the, the mental gymnastics to 
come into that number. I think you're better off just sitting him, dude. I think at that point, Russell might actually come to the Broncos and they work something out contractually to grant his. Can release. I go play somewhere else? Yeah. yeah. Can we restructure? Can Can we do something? Yeah. I'm willing to. Aaron Rodgers did it. You know, can can we let's redo this contract? I want to go somewhere else so I can play to finish my career. Yep. Yeah. We'll be uh what a crazy season. He'd have to uh, pay back a ton me. of money. Yeah. I mean he'd have to he'd have to go in. Hopefully he's you know, he's got that big signing bonus sitting in escrow because he'd have to he'd have to pay back a good chunk of it. Yeah. <sighs> it's gonna be really <laughs> interesting <jar>. to see. <laughs> yeah, gonna be interesting to see. And now that Sierra's pregnant, I don't think he's gonna be giving back any money. But uh, who knows? Um we'll see what happens. But, I mean, heck, could be all a moot point and Russell Wilson plays great this year and him and Sean Payton, you know. Uh, skip off into, you know, history and uh, have a great time. So we'll see uh, how the Broncos play out and uh, we'll see how this uh, upcoming game on Saturday night versus the 49ers plays out. Hopefully no injuries and uh, 49ers, good team, good coach team should be a good indicator of what this Broncos team will be this season. Uh, one final question, Scott, before we wrap it up, do you expect the starters to play more or less than we saw versus the Cardinals? Less. You think less? Less. I'm going to go with more. I think, I, just, I think they played a series more than they really wanted them to. Mm-hmm. So I would think two to three series. I think they got four last time. I don't expect the them to get five series. I think they're going to play half the game. Okay. I think they're going to be whatever that is. Uh, I think they'll play the first and uh, unless they go out there and like, you know, three touchdowns on three drives and like, you know, we can't do any better than that. Let's protect our guys. But I'm thinking that they're going to, this is, they're going to treat this like the, the biggest tune up game. Um, of the season. I'm expecting the most starters. And then you'll see a lot of starters obviously playing in the joint practice next week. And then it's going to be like absolutely nobody of note playing in that third preseason game. Uh, so I'm expecting this one to have. Yeah, the most yeah this would be it. Like we, we said that earlier, the, 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 the third preseason game is for the 53. It's yep. the, the back and, and, and who I'm trying to decide who I want to keep on my 53 and uh, my practice squad. So it's for roster spots, 45 to 70 is what the last game is for. Yep. So I'm expecting a lot of starters this week, which means you guys should tune in. Uh, Broncos ankle play a good bit, and hopefully it'll be a better output from the offense uh, than we saw in that game versus the Cardinals, where they did score a touchdown. Not uh, not all for not. Uh, all, not all not for not. Uh, but appreciate everybody. Uh, happy Thursday. We hope you guys have a great one. Follow Scott and I on Twitter. Scott is at Scout Kennedy. I'm at Nick Kendall MHH. Follow us at uh, BFB underscore pod, as well as at Mile High Huddle. If you haven't done so yet, join us at facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle and facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle pod. And as the ticker says underneath, please subscribe to Mile High Huddle over on YouTube. Uh, like this show and share it on your social media platforms. I uh, want to give a shout out to our star givers today, Gary Palmer, Michael Ronquillo, Lawrence Rivera coming in a few times, Clutch Master with a big one, Keith Brugman, Hope you're doing well, Keith. Eclipse Stormborn, Troy Bauer coming in with a 999, Lawrence Rivera again. Uh, you guys are killing it today. Thank you so much. I know it's, you know, a lot of the same topics here, you know, with Russell Wilson, Garrett Bowles, offensive line. But, uh, I mean, that's how the team's going to go this year. So, any new information there, hope everybody can continue to stay healthy. And uh, it'll be a lot of fun to follow. Scott, any final thoughts before we wrap it on up for the weekend? No, you hit uh, you hit the super chat. So, I want to say thank you, too, and appreciate everybody. It was an active chat today. Um yeah. If, if, if you're new here, welcome and, and hit that like or subscribe button so you know when we go live again. Yep. And shout out to Patrick, Lion Coffee Company. Make sure you guys check it out. It's uh, good stuff. I'm drinking the French roast. Nick and I will be back tomorrow on my channel, youtube.com slash Scott Kennedy. Um, we'll be talking some NFL stuff. So it's a, it's, it's, we're kind of ramping back up on that coast to coast football podcast on Fridays now. Woo-woo. 
but so. hit the hit the alert button because we're not sure exactly follow us It'll probably be nine or nine thirty. i haven't I have, to, I have to confirm with nick see how much he wants to sleep in <laughs> so all right guys have a great one continue to choose kindness and compassion that's a gallon of coffee nick 40 ounces and I typically drink two of these in the morning. So thank you so much, Patrick. That's a lot of coffee. Yep, I know I'm vibrating by the time I'm into the office, but appreciate you guys. Have a good one. Go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.